ist mein Gamefacts. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Taste My Game Face. I am your host, Zizi Adiemo, joined today by Wayne. Who is that? Daniel Dawson. Hello, where's Alan? And Alan Heath. Oh, there he is. Hi there. (laughs) So, uh, my... uh... Sis, come traipsing back here and think you can just take over the bloody place, don't Hey man, I, I, I mean, I know, I know I've been away for a while, but I brought you back this beautiful present from the Far East. Oh yeah? It's called Coronavirus. Oh god. <laughs> oh, how delightful of you. How delightful of you. <laughs> I know, I thought of all of you. So, uh, it, it, how, you know how are you doing like, these denizens of we, disaster? Coronavirus is actually something we can to try and keep you out there. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's been an interesting time. Um, we are now all recording in our respective homes because we can't be in the same place to record because, you know, the rules. Welcome to my not getting other people ill. <laughs> <laughs> we now understand your pain, Dan. You're all like me now. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, Were you not allowed outside for this entire time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The North isn't the real thing. It's just, it's just isolation. <laughs> is it just some it. trees painted on a whiteboard with a random northern accent in the background? The north is just the state of mind of of people who like to stay inside. Okay, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> he actually lives just down the road from Izzy. <laughs> the I just live in a different space, mentally. <laughs> it's all a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit strange. Um... I'd say it's nice to be home, um, but it's pretty fucking weird to be home, to be honest. Um, it is nice to be closer to all of you again, but also annoying to not actually be able to be in the same physical space. Um, but it does at least mean I have much more time to play video games, and I've missed oh so many. Mm. So, yeah. Fewer than we thought you would, though, right? Because so many got put back last year, as we talked about in the year-end episode. So, yeah, that was. A, that, I mean, like, I was obviously cheering every time that happened. Hmm. <laughs> what was the I was like, thing? yes. What was the first thing you played when you got back? Uh, I mean, I started playing before I got back. Um, I uh, managed to rent a laptop whilst I was in Hanoi uh, in Vietnam uh, and play a little bit of Tyranny. Um, which I think I'll talk about in another episode because I know that Joe has played a chunk of it as well. And I think it'll be a more interesting conversation between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave that a good whirl once I was back uh, to see it on a bigger screen. Um, but I also got stuck into Jedi Fallen Order, uh, which nice. has been lots of fun. Cool. Uh, but I think we'll have a talk about that later because I really want to talk about the fact that the world is falling apart around us and we're sure to be living in a hellscape pretty soon. And I know a few of you have already been playing in that hellscape. So how is Doom Eternal? Alan, you go first. I go first. Doom Eternal is, I mean, so far, I haven't finished it. I'm, to be honest, I'm not quite sure how far I am. So it's it's quite unpredictable for that. I almost think I'm about like two thirds of the way, but I've, I've had a lot of time to play, so I'm going through it quite quickly. Um, but it's so far fantastic. Um, it's a, at the very least, it's more Doom 2016 
but it's Doom 2016 with a lot more going on, I guess. To which I guess in some ways kind of goes to its detriment in a way where like there's a lot more like skill trees and um, abilities and stuff to to worry about and things to level up, but. It really does, from the very beginning, unlike Doom 2016, just hits the floor running with, you know, again, like new guns and abilities and different stuff so quickly. It's like, I almost feel like when you start the game every, you know, every couple of minutes, you've got another tutorial screen pop up to tell you about how another function of the game works. And it's, yeah, just relentless from from the get-go. And that, okay, so, so that makes me think two things. First of all, that that Doom 2016, like, it didn't shine right from the beginning. And I think, like, for a lot of people, that's probably a good thing because it allowed you to warm up into it. But I mm. was disappointed that it wasn't going a million miles out, an hour out the door. So it's really nice to hear that it does this time. But also, the density of new stuff feels like it might be, you know, too much. So <laughs> so how do you feel yeah. about, yeah, I mean, it's kind of... abilities? At first, it's it's a bit just sort of like oh, they're just throwing a lot at you, and you know again like I mean I didn't really have as much of an issue with called the slower start of Doom. I mean I you know kind of again it eases you into it a bit more, but this does just it's in a way it almost feels like it's assumed you've played Doom twenty sixteen already. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was assuming you're going was... into this as a, a fresh a, a new person jumping into it. I was absolutely going to say that. I think one thing that was clear is like it it assumes that you've played 2016. It's it starts off quite a lot harder and it gives you basically everything, every tool in your arsenal apart from the weapons. But I mean, like all of your movement tools, completely mm-hmm. out of the gate. Does that include the and new it, ones? New Does that ones, the new, uh, like maneuverable tools. Because I've seen there's like an air dash and there's like a climb and. No, only everything that you finished with. Right, yeah, okay. Um, but that's sufficient. Um, and it doesn't take long for Air Dash to be added to your repertoire. Yeah. And and therefore for Doom Eternal to become a bit of a puzzle platformer at times. I don't know if you found that, Alan. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot more platforming in yeah. it, for sure. <laughs> but there's these whole sequences where it's, you know, with, again, like the the double dash, double jump and the kind of climbing thing where it's just sort of like you essentially it's using the same button to punch but he just grabs onto the wall with his fingers with certain walls it's just you just imagine he's forcefully just pushing his fingers into brick and that's, that's exactly how, how i climb <laughs> but it's but it's just kind of using those abilities and you'll just have like a big expanse and be like okay how am i going to get from here to there and even adding things in like the these orbs that will float that when you go through them it regens your dash hmm. so you'll be like okay so i need to jump to jump here and then a delayed double jump do a two dash to get through the orb and then i can dash again to get over here and, so, and by that time your double jump is recharged as well so you can maybe just see it borrows as much from celeste as it sounds like <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what i was gonna say <laughs> how does that that feel in first person because like first person platform is always a bit weird because you can't see the feet of the person you're playing as and so it that like there were actually moments so i recently played doom 2016 as a bit of a catch-up and so there were a couple of moments in there like where they were kind of getting you to jump and i just felt like without knowing where my feet was it didn't give me that precision so like it It, felt a bit awkward 
because I get a, because of the fact that he does like a ledge grab as well. Like as long as you hit yeah. the edge of the ledge, yeah. he'll climb onto it. Mm-hmm. So you can always be aiming at where you need to go in first person. Yeah, okay. you're not worrying as much about seeing exactly where you're gonna land. You're just like as long as I can, my face is smashed into it. I'm yeah. fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and, and like I've like I'm not as far as you are at all. Um, I'm still sort of like signing into the office from home at the moment, so I don't have as much more free time. Although I do have significantly more because I'm not commuting. Um, but yeah, it the, the it, I found it like. I found it a bit of a weird adjustment, actually. And I think it plays with that deliberately because the platforming sections are a lot more deliberate. It's not just kind of like, oh, well, you know, we want to put you in a different arena. So move yourself from here to here. They make they test you just to do that. But it means that you've got these very different aspects because the sort of like rip and tear moments, the big arena combat battles and stuff have that same sort of like venom and intensity in fact they change those quite there's a couple of ways in which they've tweaked how you should approach those as well but i'll maybe come back to that in a minute but you sort of like have to completely switch the way that your brain's working to deal with the platforming elements and sort of like coming backwards and forwards and it's something that like three or four levels in i'm only just at the point that i'm able to do that without like instantly dying the first time i try (laughs) something after the switch yeah so does that mean that it's like so i remember playing the demo at um on london and i found that like the platforming sections were like difficult for exactly the reason that you described wayne uh but also like a real refreshing change of pace that like actually they broke up the, the action really nicely because it meant using my brain in a very very different way um and then i assume um yeah, that was a question, but I'm going to add a little bit more to it as well. Wayne. <laughs> um, I assume that, like, actually mastering the the sort of platforming actually comes into play in those big arenas as well. That, like, once you are really good at jumping around, then you can do that whilst you're fighting demons too. I think so. I mean, like, I'm certainly using it as a way of like, I'm not yet good enough to be sort of like complete. In fairness, when I was playing it right at the start sorry for changing tack but hopefully it'll all tie together um i was thinking you would love this me because it's got yeah 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 absolutely because it's got that like you know that fluidity and movement mm-hmm. uh, that you just yammer on about so much i'm not even going to mention <laughs> the game that you talk about um but it has that sort of like fluidity and it does provide the equipment or playground i guess to utilize it in quite a lot not all but quite a lot of the battles oh so it's like it's got that thing like that one of my favorite games it's it's got that like tribes flow yeah yeah exactly it it, and it is like so i can imagine that if you're feeling really connected with it and if everything's working you, you know what i mean working in unison you can really get involved but what i'm sort of using that that playground for is to just change my vantage point rather than like continually migrating and moving mm-hmm. i'll sort of like ping off somewhere play about like have a battle with just a few that i've isolated because the enem- i mean alan have you found that the enemies are like harder yes out the door 
just i mean generally like they throw different types of enemies at you from the very beginning like the the flow of the types that you would get into 2016 like at first you would get like the zombies and a few imps and then let a you know like a almost a couple of levels in whether like it felt a little while before you even started getting soldiers and stuff but here it's almost like by the end of the first or second level you've fought almost every enemy type until at least until like variations of enemy types or new boss types like there's that weird like it's i don't know what it's called but it's like a brain with eyes with little legs and like a right tail yeah and then like i was surprised at how quick they give that to you that hmm. you've got to fight against and oh you play like, it with and... level one like out the door yeah. <laughs> and like even like a mancubus just sort of like a, i remember that being a bigger deal when doing 2016 when that turned up and in this was like oh here's a mancubus there you go what are these what are the weird floating things because there they, are so many because okay, the caca demons those they suck ass in doom 2016 they were like my worst <laughs> enemy like just because <laughs> they just used to come out of nowhere and you didn't really see them or hear them and then they'd just be like floating behind a pillar and then they'd zap you i'm sure i had a weapon that i could one shot them with yeah so that's, a, that's what i did essentially my entire battle plan in doom 2016 became use the rail charged railgun thing yeah. on all of so those they, and then fire one of the pills. Like, pretty early on when, like, again, like, first level you get one of the weapon attachments for the, the gun. So, and I think at the time you've, you've got a shotgun. So there's the, like, charged shot of, like, a, almost a little grenade shot from the shotgun that you can get with it. And with those, they it doesn't one-hit kill them, but you literally fire that at them. They then eat it, <laughs> and that blows up inside them, and then it just, and then they're glowing for you to be able to do a takedown. Nice. And that's, like, the default way to do all of them. I actually saw... Much. Um, that there's a few things like that in this one that uh, I don't think were in 2016 or I just didn't find them is like kind of unique interactions like I've heard about destroying parts yeah, yeah they have weak points as well so the next thing I was going to mention right. the the like certain enemies that have like auxiliary attachments you can break those attachments and it will give you a one up on them mm. um yeah. Which actually can be essential sometimes. Like, there's a couple of arenas, even like I say, I've not played it for that long, but um, that there's absolutely hordes of demons running about you, and the only way that you can survive it is to weaken them. If you go and try and stand them up in a one-on-one straight away, you're just going to get outmanned. Mm -hmm. So you have to sort of, like, weaken them by taking out the weak points and then get off and do a traverse and build up your health by glory killing some of the weaker ones and then coming back and doing another lap on them. It's, yeah, that's, it that's really like does the, ask. Uh, there's like a, one of the sort of boss fights, uh, sort of boss fight, where it's like a, a bigger, beefier enemy that comes in just for a limited time, but you have to fight a few of them. And that is like a, like each one of them is almost a stage thing of like, you have to do, you have these two options to weaken them or disable parts of them. And like, that's the only way to beat them is to, do like actually balancing like the weakening and disabling to take them out and again as you're saying like the like the brain walker thing that i've already forgotten the name of but the <laughs> like that he's got like there's those kind of things it's just it's so much quicker if you do actually try and just aim for the weak points and as you go through the game i think even as you do different combat challenges that sort of the background challenges going on i think they actually unlock new weaknesses or at least new tips on how to take down enemies and like so you'll have your codex that's the list of all the enemy types you've mm. met and then over time you'll just get new weakness weaknesses or 
yeah like tips on how to beat them just right. pop up in there and be like oh okay i can do that on that person cool that's cool that I get, i'm guessing those things presumably are always there it's just you don't know about it until you read about it i assume so yeah but sometimes it might even just be that you, you'd be like oh, i didn't think to do that in that situation yeah, cool yeah. i'll try that and see if it works yeah, it can be helpful. Um, the other thing we haven't mentioned yet that, they, that is a new and early doors thing is the flamethrower, right? I yeah. don't think that's in 2016. but No, no, it isn't. Because they changed the way that's... that... At least what I remember from the demo was that if you used the flamethrower or the grenade launcher kill enemies, then you'd end up getting ammo or health. No, it was armor or yeah. ammo from them. So a regular takedown gives you health. Um, a chainsaw takedown gets you ammo, ammo, and then the flame gives you uh, armor. armor, but you can still get health from afterwards. It's like when you flame them, they drop a bit of armor, and then as you do damage to them while they're on fire, they'll drop more armor. Mm. But then if you do a takedown, you'll still get the health at the end. I think. So is this thing, this uh, thing's not a normal weapon? It's on a different it's like... button. So it's like you've got, there's, it's like square is chainsaw, triangle is the flamethrower. It's shoulder mounted. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> it does work. I, I mean, it does give you yet another thing to think about. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to like finally getting that flow state with it where you get comfortable because it hasn't quite clicked yet. Mm. It's like I'll be halfway through a battle and I'll be in trouble. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I can just flamethrower these bastards. Mm. Um, yeah, like, you know, it's something. I only actually. Sorry. I only think I'm starting to get into that type of stuff now a bit more, but like I haven't been flaming people that much, but as it's getting harder, it's just become a necessity. Hmm. Like making sure that I use the flamethrower in addition to getting health, just to make sure I can survive a certain encounter. So I, I had similar feelings with Doom 2016 where like it gave me a bunch of these tools and like, I only really used them in very few cases. So like the BFG, I only used like in, in particularly hard fights. I didn't use that often. And then, even the chainsaw, I didn't find I needed the chainsaw until like beyond halfway. So, um, and I'm wondering, is... like, do you feel like the need to have to use these earlier, or like, are you using the chainsaw quite early? Is is ammo more? Chainsaw is bloody essential. Okay, chainsaw is absolutely necessary. So that's really cool though, because I don't think that was the case in 2016. I think they were quite you... generous with ammo, and I was playing on hard, and so it was quite even on that. It was quite generous with ammo for the first half of the game. Yeah, you don't really find that much ammo just around in now nice. it's like chainsawing people is the main way that you're getting ammo especially in the middle of a fight that's good cool. and the, with the tougher ones but the yeah i mean you you find chainsaw fuel quite often as well like every combat encounter will have probably at least one can of petroleum somewhere around and you find it, it also middle, so. it also recharges doesn't it that base level whereas before you were dependent on ammo um on finding the fuel um to to actually make use of it now it's like part of your it's part of your main artillery so, so always, they make so every time not always but if you what? if you overdo it there's a cooldown mm-hmm. but it will slowly recharge that just one bar of it cool so the, the, that option's there for you yeah I, that that's the kind of thing if when it's a finite resource like in all games like if something is a finite resource i'm like adverse to using it <laughs> so that's really I, Th- those, to... those changes are really clever it's definitely it's definitely worth trying to change your um, attitude there because I remember um, playing Half Life Two. Uh, I've I've played it a fair few times, like on um, like my last couple of playthroughs of it, which years and years ago now. 
like I, I changed from like wanting to hoard all of the best items to like <laughs> using them whenever I could. And I was like, oh, oh, here's the flow of this game. Mm. Um, but I, I find it interesting, Dan, talking about not having to use the sort of full suite of like uh, items and abilities at your disposal in the first, well, not the first Doom, Doom 2016. Yeah. Um, because I was about to say that when you played it on hard, you had to use them more. You did play it on hard, yeah. But that's often why I think it's worth playing on a on a higher difficulty. Yeah. But I do remember yeah. that when we played the demo for Doom Eternal, they did say that like it's, it is really hard before we started playing, it. <laughs> and they and they wanted some feedback on the difficulty. Hmm. Um. So I think like yeah, it's it it felt in the demo, and like tell me tell me if this still fits for the main game um alan particularly as you played a lot more of it um but it felt in the demo like you really did need to be using like all of those abilities working out how to get everything in sync to really get the most out of it and also to well actually even make it to the end of the demo <laughs> so um yeah it was it was challenging to get through <laughs> yeah so, i mean yeah. it's I, I definitely feel like they again i think going back to like the weaknesses part where they will say like using particular weapons in particular ways will benefit you in the in the combat. So you are switching weapons constantly, just depending on who you're fighting, because it is like a, this weapon matches this enemy in this scenario. So I mean, like the shield guys, they will have like a particular way to take them down, or like if you're trying to take out specific points, then using the more precision weapons. Or there's like cert, there's a one weapon I think the ballista is like they say that's good against airborne enemies so if you uh, like tough floater ones pull that out so everything has a use so you're constantly being yeah. like okay what weapon do i need for this situation it's like it's at first that kind of becomes a bit of like you're going into the weapon wheel and being like oh what do i need now okay this. what happens when you run out of ammo though because like that was sort of the chainsaw, chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> that was sort of the case thing, right but it wasn't like completely the case you could like fight through most battles with just like the the higher end weapon or like mm. just have the fucking overcharged rail gun kill everything um but like i often found myself running out of the ammo that i needed at that point in time yeah, I think the game does a good job of feeding you, like, while a, a combat encounter is going on, particularly ones with, like, more individual, tougher enemies, it will keep respawning the zombies mm -hmm. around you. So you don't have to kill all of them to finish a combat encounter, but you know mm -hmm. that, like, if you're out of ammo, run around and you'll probably find a zombie to chainsaw to give you a bit more ammo. Yeah. And cool. that's, like, they're deliberately doing that to make sure that you're not completely fucked. <laughs> mm -hmm. so are, you, are you both playing on ps4 i'm playing it on pc okay so uh -huh. if you are then how are you finding doing those precision shots with a controller because i because doom so fast i'd imagine doing precision shots on specific parts is quite tricky i'm playing on a controller is... too by the way oh okay. <laughs> okay. well you can weigh in too i mean i i do think there is a maybe a tiny bit of auto aim going mm -hmm. on sometimes because I, I mean, either that or I'm really good. Yeah, okay. That's, that's <laughs> There's like... an auto-aim setting in there. I've turned it down by sort of 50%. Mm. Right. Um, so, like, I tweaked it. So, like, when I started, I felt like it was, like, locking and I wasn't actually doing it. Right. Um, so, that, I don't know if that's true on the PS4, by the way, because obviously it's 
um they don't expect i don't know if it's because they've tailored it for controllers whereas they don't know for pc what level people expect mm. um but yeah like i say i found the setting and i was like uh, like it's i sort of feel like i should be punished for fucking that up and i it wasn't <laughs> right, yeah. you know what i mean I, um yeah. i haven't i haven't noticed it like overtly i've never felt like i didn't make that shot but the game made me make that shot it's right. always but there's just been a couple of times where it's like that it just t- felt a little bit like there was a tiny bit of a worrying mm. with like it's... certain bits but it's never so overt that it's pulled me out of it or okay. maybe not feel like i was responsible at least 90 percent of the time it was, the only times that it happened for me was when i was going for weak points in the early game like on that arachnotron or brain thing as you like to call him mm. um Gavin, like, let's call him Gavin. Gavin, Gavin the brain spider. Gavin, I was, I was hoping Krang would go, but uh, yeah. Gavin the brain yeah. spider also works. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was there. There were a couple of there were a couple of times. I think the first couple of them that I played, like that, I fought. I was like, yeah, I didn't make that. It was just like it just shot the shot the gun off him straight away, and I was like, yeah, I didn't do that. So I sort of hunted through the menus and I think I've got it to a level where it compensates for the fact that I'm not quite as quick, but isn't, mm. yeah, feels like it's me still. Very honourable, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we've mostly just talked about gameplay so far. So like, apart from that, how, like, how's it feel? Like, does it, in, in terms of the atmosphere that it, creating is it even more metal than it's ever been before does it does it have a story this time it kind of has a story it's got a story it's definitely got a story it's got more there's more story going on than last time there's i think there's still a degree of like there is a story going on around doom slayer and he's just liking the fact that it's an excuse to shoot things Mm. but it's it there is almost like he's hunting something and he's, mm. he's trying to hunt a specific thing and he doesn't really care who gets in his way or like what he has to do to do that. But yeah, like it definitely there is more going on. There definitely, there's a lot more of fleshing out the law of the universe, I guess, of the how like the heaven and hell and the and earth and the history of earth and all that kind of stuff plays into it a bit more. Cool. Like, there's yeah, a lot there, of reading material about the, the origins. There are of tons more. Stuff tons more codex yeah like you've just got tons of stuff tons of stuff to read Uh, like i read everything in the first one there's a couple that is just like it's so dense with like their made up law that i'm just a little bit like i'll pick Mm. it up as i go along um one thing like you was talking about the environments is like it is it's a lot more varied i don't know if i'd say it's as necessarily as metal um, but then I haven't seen that much of it. But there's a lot more variation in what sort of environments they bring you and like how the worlds look and stuff. So that's that's nice. Yeah, yeah I think. That sounds good. I don't know if nice is a word I want to use in in <laughs> conjunction with Doom, but I guess it's nice. <laughs> there's definitely a lot of really cool scope. Like when you're in an environment, if you just take a second to kind of look around more around you more like when you're in a combat encounter you are very much focusing on the enemies and just the very like the geometry of the environment i guess but then when you just take a step to kind of look up a bit and look around you can see there's they are telling a story with the environment in quite a lot of places Hmm. where like you're turning up in the aftermath of stuff that's happened and it's like it just makes you think i wish i could see that happening but this is still very cool (laughs) 
that also okay. is really good yeah i i really am very excited to play it like i really was teetering on the edge of buying it thought I should probably try and finish what i'm playing first because it will just become what i'm doing um, <laughs> so i'm i'm glad it's good so um other question i have then is it it hasn't reviewed quite as well as 20 so what do you have an inkling for why doom eternal hasn't like won quite so much favor it hasn't reviewed as well as 2016 i don't think it's it's pretty close but it looks from the scores i've seen it i mean it's it's fairly marginal harsh it, like ign gave 2016 like a seven point something at the time Did it? yeah because it was like because they didn't like the multiplayer and so oh. Doom, Doom 2016 has like, had like a bit of like definitely got reviewed harsher than everybody reveres it now oh fair enough I guess I wasn't really paying attention at the time I just assumed <laughs> that like because everybody's so so very happy about that game in the aftermath yeah, that like I mean I, went, I did I, this is only because I've just played it so I did go back and like have a look at kind of some reviews and things just to kind of see what other people were saying about it <laughs> so I, I guess we can like reframe your question as it hasn't reviewed as well as you'd expect Doom's reverence to score. Mm. Is that broadly what you're saying then? Steve? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I like. I'm obviously not as far in as Alan, so there's stuff to go. I I think that I think that some people that would go in expecting Doom might find the platforming a little bit odd. It's definitely taken me some getting used to. Um, if if you've come in expecting to just shoot stuff, um, then you might get quite frustrated. Yeah, I, say, guess, you... I guess like also fleshing out more of like the skill trees and the level ups and stuff in the back end for some people might end up being a bit too much. Like it maybe it makes it a bit less pure. But I mean, there was still some of that going on in the last one, but there's just mm -hmm. more of it going on this time. And the last one so gave, gave you good things for that stuff. Like, it felt worthwhile investing in that thing stuff. So is that the same case here? Like, I, it I still worthwhile. think it's worthwhile with all of the all the upgrades and everything you're doing. Mm. Still feels like it adds to the experience and adds to, like, how you're playing it. But yeah. it's it's still just, especially at the beginning of the game, it just throws a lot at you. Right. So it's, it's kind of maybe feels like a bit daunting. It's got that, like, JRPG, walk five feet, has another... Hmm like description box <laughs> maybe not as much about like here's a paragraph on how to jump but you know yeah, yeah. close <laughs> almost close to that a little bit classic jumping is really hard man <laughs> <laughs> it's more like the bit where you have a really long conversation and someone's like oh come walk over to the talk to the my friend and then you walk over to, talk to their friend and then they go straight into another cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> that's the classic yeah <laughs> um so talking of another long conversation then um i think it's fair to wrap up the Doom conversation now, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, the the PlayStation 5 sort of hardware discussion long-form video happened. Lecture. Um, yeah, it was, basically was a lecture, wasn't it? Um, like, because because obviously GDC's been cancelled uh, because of COVID, um, like, a lot of the bits of tech information that were going to be there been released in other ways um there was a sort of pre-gdc event that happened with xbox hardware being discussed um but we had i think like a lot more of an interesting in-depth thing from um sony 
head of hardware. What's his name again, Dan? Mark Cerny. Mark Cerny of Knack fame. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I know that you are a massive nerd, Dan, and I am too. But yeah. I watched the whole damn thing and found it absolutely fucking fascinating. Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed it. Like, it felt like being back at uni. Like, <laughs> I was... <laughs> and like, I did go, you know, so I actually had the privilege to go to a uh, kind of a game conference last year in the UK. And so I went to quite a few talks there, and that was also really interesting. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, I, I definitely really enjoyed it. I, but I, I do think they marketed it way off, way off pace. So like they were like, get ready to hear about PlayStation. But it was supposed followers. to be a GDC lecture. Like, that's what they are. Oh, yeah, but they yeah, just but... didn't tell anybody that. Yeah, the, the Sony marketing team weren't told what that was. Oh. <laughs> they definitely you know positioned it in a different way of just like be ready to hear more information about ps5 yeah. tomorrow it's like should have been they, here they... is an in-depth technical breakdown of the things that only the nerds will yeah. understand and i mean they did yeah. they did say that but they didn't really hit that home not to like the level it was like where he's talking about like just like like weird like sound blob forms oh my god that that made me so excited though Dan. yeah like i i find it it's it's ridiculous i actually find it hard to explain how how numerous fast Fourier transforms can be computationally intensive exactly this is is the thing that is actually making me think oh i want the next generation of consoles right now yeah right i I want those fast Fourier transforms right up in my ears so so here's a tangent so you can uni, take photos I... of your ears and send it. Yeah, so they yeah. Can give you perfect sound. So throwback to uni, I did a sound like it like it was one of these projects where they're like sound in video games to try and make people do it, and I was the mug who decided to do it. And like I actually, what what I ended up doing was recording frequency sweeps in a room, and then mm. performing fast Fourier transforms on sound effects, and then modifying them to the frequency profile of different points in the room. Oh, so and this must inter- have been inter- very familiar to you then. And interpolating between the points that I sampled at. And so it was quite funny because I'm like, man, I should have like stuck with this because this sounds cool now. So, <laughs> so here's my question then, Dan. It didn't work because... very well, just so you know. Oh, like, okay. It yeah, okay, that, that but was like, my question. But like, what I didn't know is how to maintain resonance through, through breaking everything down into its own frequencies, modifying them and then putting them back together again. I didn't know how to maintain like echo and resonance. Yeah. It just didn't sound right. So just in case anyone's confused, that what that should do is make it sound like <laughs> the, the room that Dan had created those uh, initial sort of patterns from, um, that he could move sound around so that it sounded like coming from different parts of the room. Mm. Yeah. And, th- and this is sort of what they're doing with PlayStation 5, except for instead of it being different parts of a specific room, it's like the area around your head so that from like the speakers, well, headphones, first of all, and then, like the speakers on a normal television, it should sound like three D sound. That's going to be insane the, if that works. And the way, and the thing that the thing that I find actually, the thing that actually made me excited about it was not the concept of this happening because we've had the ability to do this for a while. We've got like um, sort of three D headphone amps like came out more than half a decade ago. Like lots of um, AV systems have amps that can do like headphone 3d but it only works for some people like people have different ear shapes and that means that sounds change differently for them and obviously their brains used to it happening for their ear shape so if you use a standard ear shape it doesn't work 
for some people. Yeah. And what they're talking about doing is making it so that they can tune that for your ear. So you should be able to really, what really feels fully 3D sound happening from just headphones at, in like the worst case scenario and like possibly even from your TV stuff. So that, yeah, that makes me, that makes me excited for the next they, generation. They talked about it as well with like, they referred to it as what it ray tracing for audio is one phrase I've heard around. Yeah. Actually, so, for the first time, rather than just being like, oh, you're near to it, further away from it, or it's behind you or in front of you kind of thing. It's actually how does the audio refract and reflect off that specific environment? Totally. And it's, I mean, that, so this is, this is something separate to that. Like, um, it, and it combines like using, using like a uh, ray tracing, uh, to be able to work out where sound is coming from and what your posts do on its way to you. So this is something that was mentioned when like ray tracing, real time ray tracing was first revealed, like what, like a year and a half ago now, two years ago now was even if we can't do amazing things in terms of video yet, because you need to be able to do so much processing for ray tracing work mm. uh, for a picture, we will be able to do amazing things with it with audio really quickly. Mm. What's uh, what's going to be cool, like or not cool, but like annoying, like when you play that first game, like, that, <laughs> that, that like cool. that annoying. Does... What's the difference? They're the same. They're the same <laughs> word. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> like that first game that does the thing like where sound bounces and you think it's coming from somewhere completely different than where it actually is coming from mm. you know like it probably you... just think it's broken right <laughs> yeah, when, when it yeah, first happened yeah. yeah but the problem is like, yeah that that could well because that does happen in real life sometimes yeah, yeah, I mean, you think yeah. it sounds from one place and it's actually coming from somewhere completely different yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean like so so I, I think that was that was a new reveal in guys guys guys, how many gigaflops? Teraflops. Two teraflops. Yeah, I was going to say more than a million. Teraflops. <laughs> <laughs> come on, it's like giga than tera, so it's more than a thousand. Okay, isn't more it? than a thousand. Fair enough. Yeah, Sorry, come on, man. Out by three orders of magnitude. Fucking rounded error. I mean, only two because it's ten. It is ten. Ten point seven teraflops. Only two orders of magnitude. How's <laughs> they were really trying to discuss that the like floating point operations mean something different in this generation though that they're trying yeah. to streamline the pipeline so that even though the actual raw hour hasn't jumped up massively what you can do well, with that is hopefully a lot more well, no it has jumped up massively it's it's like over five times more, but it hasn't, it's not as high as the Xbox. And so I think they were kind of like, yeah, it's not all yeah. about teraflops, guys. I mean, you've had like the, I mean, the one key thing with this that they were talking about was like the data transfer speeds between different components and particularly between the SSD and, mm. and the other parts. And that, that being a, a real game changer and you're having like people that have got their hands on dev kits with PS4 talking about how it really is just completely changing how they're making stuff for the better that it's you know jumping back to doom the cto of id was one of the first people to like tweet out about how impressive he thought this was Mm. like in the lead up to this event yeah so i mean like that's i I think it's it's for you know for us it's a lot of this is going to end up being like seeing is believing and when we see the same game developed on you know how it runs on xbox versus playstation if that really makes a difference for there but you know 
have the speed of having these SSDs in there. Like, I'm just still super intrigued to see like how that changes game design. Well, because I everyone is talking. Someone else can go. Someone else can go. Who wants to go? Hands up. I'll go. I'll go. I was going to say, like, the thing about the the massively reduced loading times is, I think what everyone's going to notice from this generation, like, we will probably geek out about the sound or not. But um, like graphical fidelity's come a huge like way, but we know that a really well designed game and well constructed game, it's it's not so much about the graphical fidelity as the look, and they're two very very different things. Um, but in terms of be, that the loading, those moments that you're broken out of it, um, and the other thing that they were talking about again as a result of the ssd is that idea that you also won't have hidden loading anymore you won't be just walking through a long corridor because you've got to wait for um some assets to load yeah all of that through a narrow passage oh jedi yeah exactly (laughs) you the amount of fucking lift the amount of passages to squeeze through like yeah yeah, they're big fans of the long wait Yeah. But we might that's the thing, we might not see that anymore. Yeah. And that's gonna be really interesting to see how like I'm just you know, with some of these talks, I've even seen people talking about that level design itself for yeah. like how the flow through an environment That's what I wanted to talk about. The, the so mo- the moment I'm like, hoping you for you can only Oh sorry. With with that gap squeeze thing is like when somebody makes you think you're gonna do that. And then they just like blow the wall apart or something and actually reveal like they didn't need to load at all and they were just like having you on. I mean, is is that what do you think there's gonna be a little banner at the top as well that says, Haha, we weren't loading or No, I just think somebody's <laughs> gonna do it because it's like the expectation is being built so much in so many games now that oh you have to squeeze through this gap, but then they have the opportunity to like completely subvert, yeah, that, subvert expectation. that. Yeah. I mean the other thing is like there's there's certain parts of life and journeys etc that actually are like that yeah. so it's like do you think they're gonna find you no where you have to go stand in a lift or you know if you're caving or going on an adventure you might have to squeeze through or like behind this bookcase or whatever so is it going to be a case that rather than no, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Like, I, they make I, those but, environments richer, or they just completely bin them? Like, I think it's more just the idea that they'll do those for an actual design or experience reason rather than a technical reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, he'll be like, we feel like we want you to go through this narrow gap so you can then go into this more open area and have the reveal be nice mm. rather than thinking we need to stick you in a narrow gap because we need to hide the loading screen for this big open environment, you know? Yeah. So can I just the... explain a little more, like, why, how, like, this is something that's impressive? Because I, I feel like the the talk of losing loading screens, like, perhaps only sort of off of what's being described. Because we're really talking about loading times that are so fast that it can be, like, line of sight loading. That, mm-hmm. like, if you're looking in one direction, the assets aren't loaded, and then you can turn around and and they will load whilst you are turning. And that means instead of having to be in an environment where you can, where all of those assets need to be held in memory at the same time, you can just move them on and off of the, uh, off of the uh, SSD, which means that you should just be able to have 
more detail going further yeah. like instead of instead of needing to gate parts of the level instead of having to go here is this zone where like the most graphically intense thing you will see is this and therefore that can sit in the memory all of the time you can have one thing that's awesome in front of you one thing that's awesome behind you and you can spin around and see both mm. like so that suggests because it's all gonna have to be in ram right how much ram's in this no, thing no, that's what they're suggesting they're suggesting that this ssd is pretty much fast enough to be used as oh. ram for assets they were saying 20 okay no no no. sorry everything that's on screen is what i mean is gonna have to be in ram right yes yeah yes but that's it yeah right but how much ram is in this thing 16 gigs 16 gigs so if you've got 16 gig worth of shit in front of you and 16 gig worth of shit behind you Mm -hmm. how big is the disc gonna be no no but the one no, spinning no. in circle is your entire game because you've got 32 gig in a single like two fields of view it uh, sounds like as as beautiful as that is it's probably never actually going to be utilized because of the distribution medium no but you've got to think like just in terms of software footprint like you're not it's not just assets that are filling up 16 gigs it's it's enemy it's enemy entities like instances of uh, enemies each take up their own memory footprints you could have like a th instead of having 50 enemies because you could only have 50 enemies with all their textures you can now have a thousand enemies because you don't need to also have their textures cached because you but then also like particle effects like you can have more detailed particle effects because each of the particle elements are taking up more you yeah. know space in memory for that or you know like trees there's, you yeah. have like three trees and all different angles or whatever, but you could have a massive forest both sides of you and that fills up the memory, but it's only a, a few different variations of that same thing. Yeah. But it also means you can be running like really complex AI, like, you know, search trees or something, like something really complex, really intensive that takes a big memory footprint. You can be running that and not have to be dependent on that, having that space to put in new assets. Okay. No, fair enough. I understand now. Thank you. But well, I am <laughs> going to say the thing that Joe would say if he was here, which is none of this matters if the games aren't there, right? So I I love the uh, ideas that can that can come into your head from talking about new hardware. Like the the possibilities are fantastic, but we actually do need to wait and see the games. And you know, like obviously these consoles are supposed to be this year. And I feel like with like coronavirus happening, that might be put on hold by a bit. Yeah, I assume already, it will. I assume there's it will. already rumours that at least PS5 is going to be delayed until early next year. No, no real word on Xbox. They're kind oh, well, of still saying to catch up on this generation. They're still saying this, yeah, but yeah, it's pretty. You've got to assume it's pretty doubtful. Because even if they do get it out this year, that just means they're going to be super hard to get hold of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be able to manufacture enough to sort of like do a Christmas rush, are they? Yeah. No. I mean, and the other and the other concern is like, is is all this work from home and disruption to workplaces going to push most of their launch lineup? I mean, what if it has? What if it doesn't push the launch lineup that much? Does push the hardware, and we actually end up with you know the consoles coming out and the launch games being finished. Yeah, polished launch lineup. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's nah, not gonna happen, mate. Ah, so <laughs> something good came out of coronavirus then. <laughs> what we'll get is we'll get shit hardware and shit games at launch. 
<laughs> Beautiful future we're looking to. <laughs> Planning to buy it this year, so you know, like, kind of, kind of don't want it to be just pushed, but you know, obviously well, if you keep that keep that savings account going, and yeah, you'll be able to buy more games and accessories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right, Darren. You'll still be playing uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Point in which yeah. they would have come out well, anyway. This is the thing though, like, if that's going to have a next gen version, like, depending on how, I mean, they did actually say it's not going to be that soon after, but like, there's definitely an appeal between waiting for that kind of game because Witcher Three takes because Witcher Three takes PC. a long time to load. I know, but so we were actually we were talking earlier. Like, I have my work computer at home now because I'm working from home, and my work computer is really really good. But like, I have no desire to play games on it at all. Like, it's loads better than my PS4, but it's just. It's just not how I like to play. <laughs> you need to come to the other side. I know. <laughs> Join me, Dan. Yeah, Join me. Find where he is. I'm not willing to climb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I mean, but they did say that at least when it comes to Xbox, and I'm assuming the same with PS4, that when you buy it, you it's gonna work and be up, you know, upresed and stuff when you're playing on next gen. Like they'll be releasing the next gen patch for free, and it will just know. Mm. Yeah, I hope that's the same on PS5, because that's the thing, we haven't really heard much. Like, PS5 is nice to get all this tech done, but, like, they haven't spoken much about their their practices. And so, like, Xbox yeah. has announced quite a lot of their things, like, where it's, like, yeah, free upgrades to the next-gen versions and things like that. And, like, if Sony aren't doing that, like, like I'm not going to kid, like, like, I'm split, you know, I'm, I've only ever really had PlayStation, so that's what I'm going to get, because that's, and for single-player games, you know, <laughs> we were all into that on the Sony side. And so I'm not going to get an Xbox, but, like, I'd be pretty bummed out if I had to be buying next gen versions like when when you know if so I'm buying the stupidly expensive Final Fantasy 7 and like what I don't want to do is then have to buy it again for the next gen version um when yeah. it comes out yeah, it's going to be interesting if, to see how that all how they do actually play it if they're all good I'll or both good I'll probably get both of them and which order I get them in will be based on you know what the drivers are at the time um like the the xbox series x does appeal to me only because of this whole backwards compatibility thing so i can play the four games <laughs> on xbox one <laughs> that, I, that are any good but i think that's that is an interesting to point out with like the backwards compatibility with playstation they've only at least confirmed that it's going to be most ps4 games yeah you know a... that they, they haven't even said it's feel all like but isn't that just because so far the thing that they've done has like get yeah, most I, of this thing's a confusion. Like I think this is just the fact that they can't just say it's purely backwards compatible. So like it, like he said in the talk, like if you put original hardware in, you know one hundred percent it's going to work. But what they've done is they've they've designed a backwards compatibility mechanism which should work for all games, but they just haven't tested all games, so they can't say yeah. all games, and so. Backwards compatibility is inherently designed in this thing. There was that pattern about simulating slower clock speeds that I think he referenced. And so, like, it does just seem that the processors are the equivalent hardware. And so mm. I think it's innately designed into it. It's just, you know, they can't say it's going to work on everything because they haven't tested yeah. everything. But there's also it's... that with, you know, with the Xbox is the fact that the backwards compatibility goes far, you know, further back with yeah. that. That yeah. amount of position now where it's almost... Right now, as it goes, I kind of wish I had a bigger third-party catalog on Xbox consoles, mm. and then getting it a next-gen Xbox because I do play older games still, 
and I, I go back to stuff all the time and it probably would be nicer playing the 360 an up-res 360 version of a game on this rather yeah. than plugging in my ps3 yeah definitely i am um, i read about this talk rather than um watching it but i think wasn't um wasn't the gist that the devs of the ps4 games have been asked to sort of like go through them and see if there are any problems as well so it's not just like we haven't tested them all so we can't say but like they're actually reaching out to people and saying i think could you make could you check that this works uh i don't know i don't remember that but what he said was they've tested they've tested most of the top 100 played ps4 games and the results are quite impressive i believe were his <laughs> because words. because i read about it i may be conflating two articles but i'm sure i've seen that somewhere that Maybe. it's like an active thing to reach out to i know, developers I know and... that they were talked about the fact that they were reaching out to developers to find out what they wanted in next gen hardware uh, i'm not sure if that was also the case for just making sure that the games that they've made for ps4 i mean it does make sense if they were to do that you know if they've got dev kits out in the wild and they essentially just say to those people hey, can you put your games in that and see if it works? It's just outsourcing the testing of the backup, yeah, essentially. Taste my game face. So we've just had a big discussion about coronavirus in the break, because, you know, obviously. Um, and why don't we talk about another virus, Dan? Yep, so I, I've been refreshing myself on the biology of the T-virus during this pandemic. Uh, oh, shit, did they do a biology lesson on it as well now? <laughs> yeah, you know, just... <laughs> Just testing, seeing the outcome of what happens if someone gets infected and stuff, you know. It does sound I... like the most English virus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, at least I get a bit oh, of tea. Dear. <laughs> oh, I've got to get the dad jokes in. Get me some Carry on, Dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, so because to I did this before Resident Evil 2 remake. In the lead up to that, I played the original for the first time and loved that. And so when they announced Resident Evil 3 remake, I and I was wanting to play the original Resident Evil 3, and so in the last week or so I've been doing that, and I've been doing that on my Vita. Can I ask? Okay, that's that's the answer to that question. Oh, what's well, the you, can, you ask where, yeah, yeah, I was playing it on yeah. PS1 Classic on Vita. What's the uh, R0 of the T-Virus? What's the R0 of the T-Virus? What is an R0? Replication oh, rate. We... Come on, man. You've been paying. You've not no. been paying attention recently. Oh, I'm oh, great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Z. No, it's really. You, you've played Resi games, right? It's really fucking high. <laughs> I mean, like the way it's like the, one person, the means everyone. By, <laughs> the means by which you get infected seem reasonably hard to come by, but apparently it spreads like wildfire immediately. Because everyone, when someone walks towards them, mouth gaping and like blood dripping down their face, you just sort of stand there going, "Hey, you want to make a friend? You're all right. How are you?" <laughs> yeah, obviously. I think I think there's actually a thing in uh, in Resident Evil Three that says like describes the things that you can get it from, and it's you know it's, it's kind of like being bitten, bodily bodily fluid transfer and stuff. So, but, Is, yeah. are any of them bats or pangolins? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Well, I mean, no, they're more octopuses. Like, everything has tentacles when they get T-Virus. When it all goes really bad, things get tentacles. That's <laughs> the theme in this game. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been playing... I've And I've finished Resident Evil 3, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, and it's... And then, also, to go alongside that, is they released the Resident Evil 3 demo for the remake on PS4. And so it's been really fun to play through the different things of that. Um, 
So for people who don't know Resident Evil 3, and maybe have played Resident Evil 2 with the remake, so Resident Evil 2 is uh, takes place in a in the police station and it's all quite closed um and so it's it has a lot of that dna from resident evil one where it's like a single environment kind of puzzle box unlocking new things making finding new paths and that kind of thing but then resident evil 3 is much more linear and it's much more actiony i guess is a is another thing so uh you a lot of it takes place in raccoon city outside and so you're going from place to place to place and you do stop off at the the police department and, and things like that, but then you move on to the next environment. Um, and all the while, after a point, you're being you are being pursued by what a uh, creature called Nemesis, who's just like an absolute giant mess of a face with a trench coat <laughs> and has like a rocket launcher, and he just like even on the original like just runs at you like. And this is on a game with tank controls which is just balls hard to control at the best of times, and this thing just runs at you and just punches you to the ground. So he's like a even more messed up version of Mr. X, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. From what I understand. Yeah. So, like, imagine, like, from the remake and the original, like, Mr. X, like, he can walk at you, and he can punch you and hurt you a lot. It's that, except this thing runs after you, like, faster than you can run, much faster than you can run. And so you've got to, like, dodge and weave, otherwise he's just going to get you. Um, and then he can like pick you up and then he throws you down and then he can even pick you up when you're even on the floor you haven't even stood up in time and then he just sticks mm-hmm. his little t-virus in your face and you die <laughs> so, yeah. sticks his little t-virus in your face i mean <laughs> i mean that's what it is he has his little tentacle hand and he just sticks it in your face <laughs> i i don't I, there's so many jokes that i want to make right now and i feel like none of them should actually be be spoken none of them should really be verbalized um so Dan, how have you found it? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's really good. So, it's it's kind of uh, f- it, in the way it's more actiony than the original. Than, than sorry, not the original, but than Resident Evil Two is like there's much more zombies, and they give you much more. They give you a lot more tools to deal with them, so you get more ammo and things, and so it's kind of encouraged to be fighting more. And there's like scenarios very early on where you're dealing with like six zombies, and so you've got to really like try and fight them off. Uh, and the it? whole point though Dan that like you, you get loads of tools that are ostensibly to fight the zombies but you're fucked if you actually use them to fight the zombies uh, yeah, as bit, I recall yeah, there's a bit of that but then yeah because also if you if you use up too much of your arsenal then you have to fight Mr. X you have to fight Nemesis down the line you've got no ammo and that, which is a scenario I found myself in and so I had to like get a bit inventive with how I was going to fight fight Nemesis in like a closed off boss encounter because like I just didn't have enough ammo to be dealing with him properly and it's got like weird complicated ammo mechanics where like you combine ammo which is something that was in Resident Evil 2 the remake but it's like there's like hidden combinations that I didn't know about and there's also like combination chains and so like if you chain combinations like you make more ammo and like this really wasn't clear to me and so I was just kind of making ammo as and when I needed it but it's like, oh, if you do, like, chains of small combinations, you, like, level up your ammo proficiency. And so, you, like, it's all this hidden mechanics, like, behind the scenes. Um, and, but yeah, so you're dealing with a lot more zombies. You're dealing with a lot. You've got more firepower. Um, and there's a dodge mechanic, which can only be done if you time 
and the action button press when you are being attacked at the right time and then you do like a cool like combat roll and you get some like quick shots afterwards you can like fire your gun like quicker um but yeah this I had a really good time playing. Original. yeah this is in the original yeah yeah um, I remember that. I remember introducing the dodging stuff. Yeah, which was just was really cool. Which is just hard to do. Like I did not do it very often. Um, but yeah, no, it's really fun, and I had a really good time. I think Nemesis is really threatening. I think they implement it really well, and uh, it definitely has a different pace to Resident Evil Two. And the linear nature feels more like something not like Resident Evil, where it's less of that puzzle box thing of puzzle solving a single environment. It's it's more of like a linear action game, mm-hmm. but with the same so, mechanics. Do you, do you have a preference between like the style of one and two, or do you just think that it's nice that they decided to go in a different direction? Yeah, I think I think it's nice to just have a different direction. I think I think the the mechanics don't work so well for the action style game, and so but I, but that is one of the things that excites me most about the remake is I think the third person combat mechanics of the remake series is really really strong and so i think this one and from my experience with the demo um is i think there's real potential for this one to like um really really excel because i know a lot of people resident evil 3 is not as well regarded as 2 and yeah i don't think it's as it probably isn't as good but uh, i think it does a lot a lot well but i think it could benefit from a remake even more than resident evil 2 could could because of the the affordances of modern uh, control schemes and and visuals actually. It did, it did seem more action heavy from playing the demo than yeah. two was. Like it, it felt like it really put you into that a lot quicker. I mean, maybe that's even just the positioning of where in the story you are in the demo. Like the the one for Resident Evil Two was quite slow and pacey and creepy. Yeah, like a lot of dark environments and this. Like you're out on the street. There's fire everywhere, so there's not really that much hiding from you to no. to get jump scares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm surprised it wasn't m- more open in a way. Like, you're out on the streets, but it's still just because of the way that there's just like cars and rubble and everything, it still feels like hallways that mm. are fairly narrow through the like the environment of, you know, you've got like a few instead of side rooms, it's just, you know, buildings that you can go into, but they're still not as expansive as you would expect. Mm. It's just like going into a room on yeah, the yeah. side of a hallway. There, there was a couple. So, there's a couple of interesting things where they, uh, where they have paths where they, you can open up, and so it opens kind of like alternate routes, which I guess is going to play into like options for avoiding Nemesis, and that's how, mm-hmm. you know, that's how kind of how it worked in in that demo. Um, yeah, I can see that. the The thing I really liked was the like the visual escalation, and so like being in the streets, um, in the in the original is really cool. Like you can see all these burning cars and you know neon signs for shops and things but then in this one being able to see all that stuff but it's much bigger and you can actually go in the buildings and things like really uh gives it a sense of place more than more than that original does where it's a bit more set dressing hmm. yeah but i mean it's it's still like i mean for the most part i would say if you enjoyed resident evil 2 and even for like the combat aspects of it and that yeah. you know the bit, visual I'm... graphical style i say that this is it feels like more of the same game in yeah, a way. It does, yeah, yeah, like yeah. It... Which I think is true of the original as well. Yeah. So in terms of like the actual feel of the gameplay, not like what you're doing, but like just how the mechanics of it work, does it feel very different to like the two remake? No, not really. No, it feels very similar. Except it, they've yeah. also added a dodge 
and a kind yeah. of perfect dodge mechanic. So like if you anytime you have a dodge, um, so you can like dodge sideways to avoid zombies and things. But then if you time that perfectly, you then get a brief window of like slow mo or something. So you can like fire mm. off a bunch of quick shots, um, which is obviously their interpretation of what was in the original one. Yeah, and, I definitely it was definitely useful when the nemesis popped out. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I I didn't really pull off the perfect dodge. I think I only did it once. But like being able to dodge is I th- I thought felt really satisfying. Just like in I, like running past zombies, and then being able to like just quick dodge out of the way and and keep going mm. like was a felt felt good. Yeah, I didn't really try it when actually just going down sort of the the streets and mm. going past zombies it was just when fighting nemesis and i managed to i think the first time i did the perfect dodge it was just by accident and i was yeah, like what yeah. hell was that that was cool <laughs> and then yeah i i think did it again uh once but yeah it was it's definitely like it definitely helps out it makes me kind of wish that we had that in two to yeah <laughs> dodge yeah, mr yeah, x yeah. a bit but and it, yeah 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 i was going to say something else but i i've decided i, I, won't, I, won't, I won't say something <laughs> so, though, there's there's another game that that has a dodge. So, <laughs> um, really? Are you sure, Dan? I've never heard of this mechanic before. Um, I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say like I'm surprised when you were saying that you were struggling with it. I mean, I, did you feel the same struggle in the remake version? Uh, with the dodge, um, yeah. a, a bit like especially when facing Nemesis, like like if you just get it wrong, like he just swings and hits so hard, and he does mm. just knock you to the ground in this one. Like, just given your familiarity with like the Soulsborns, I was thinking like particularly Bloodborne, like you can't yeah. really, it's the... you can't really play that without no. getting that narrow timing window spot on. But you know, you don't have a lock on, and so like, and it's dark, and he's just like charging at you, and they've got this pulsing audio, and they've got this soundtrack with him, like, and so <laughs> it's all this, thing. and he just like jumps out of nowhere, and then like comes at you and haymakers you, and so I think it, it's all of that added together, and like the dodge is not. So like in Bloodborne, like it's it's toe it's um you know it's tweet so that if you dodge this move in this direction, then you will avoid it. That kind of thing, you know, and it feels yeah, like, and you're always it, facing front on, whereas this guy's just like chasing. It wasn't you. actually wasn't actually the dodge I was referring to in Bloodborne with the timing. It was the gun. Ah, okay. You know, you've got that like sort of split second yeah, where well, you've got. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. I mean, maybe I... now, now Sekiro requires that of you, so maybe I've got that. But, but also, Nemesis doesn't fight with a rhythm like, like Souls fighters do. He's not fighting with a rhythm. He's just chasing you and swinging at you when he gets close. Mm. It's not, you know, it's not his combat pattern. It's he's just after you. <laughs> mm. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the, so do you guys know about the the rumored development history with this? I don't know if I've mentioned it on the pod before. I don't know about it. So, so it was the. Um, apparently, this was actually originally they were going to release Resident Evil Two and Three Remake as one package. Ah, uh, yes, I do remember you mentioning this before. But yeah. go on, carry on. Yeah, and just that it was the the essentially the, a delay in development meant that they were like, let's just release two to get it out and make some money off that, so we can fund the continued development of three. But it that just makes me think that like. I mean, the the demo felt like this, just sort of a bit more action, you know, heavier on the action, but still felt a lot like Resident Evil 2. Is it just going to feel like a DLC expansion of the same game? You know, is there actually going to be that much more different to it that, you know, feels like another game? Or, yeah, is it just going to be more of the same? 
I mean, mm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing because Resident Evil 2 Remake was amazing, but I, it, you know... I, I do think that's where the benefit of different pace helps. I do think maybe people aren't going to... I think the same thing is going to happen where you get people who go, oh, I prefer the scarier bits of Resident Evil 2, whereas this one is more kind of about survival in in like a action sense and less and so i do think you're going to get that that same sentiment mm. with this one but i do think that helps it not feel like retreading ground mm. yeah and um, i think one thing with the game as well i'm just i'm hoping it opens up a bit more mm. at least from what we saw with the demo which obviously you'd hope it's the main game is bigger than a demo but yeah yeah um but yeah it's just obviously you're out in the you know with the the with two you're in the police station so it's it's you know it being more claustrophobic makes sense yeah. and it being having linear paths that or you know like yes they're all interconnected but it's you know it's all short pathways and rooms and if mm-hmm. this just feels like that but with different set dressing it's gonna i think that will disappoint me a bit more because yeah. it won't be taking advantage of the setting as much as it could be yeah yeah i do hope i do hope it they take advantage of that more that would be good i, I would say in the original it is there are a few environments that feel a little bit more open like you have to they're kind of like smaller versions of the resident evil formula so like these are these like smaller areas that you will spend like a couple of hours going back and forth throughout this entire area and then you'll move on to the next area. So as opposed to the whole game being that one area, it's like segmented into chunks like that. So I, yeah, similarly, I'm hoping that they kind of they use that and know, they know this this is their area, and so they can kind of broaden the ways around it. Hmm. Are we? Uh, should we expect four um, after after three comes out at some point? Then they've got to be thinking about it, right? Yeah. I think it'll take a, probably take hang a on to the next gen, though. I mean, it was pretty yeah. like there was such a big step between mm. three and four as well. The problem with, I think, remaking Resident Evil Four in the new style is that Resident Evil Four introduced that style. Mm. Mm-hmm. There will just so be, probably end up being possible either adjust a graphical update or maybe thematically just changing it to slightly to fit the way the remakes are going because they do feel possibly. like they changing it slightly from a tone even just from the fact of it's not as campy (laughs) but if they do four will they do five (laughs) (laughs) one of the things i have heard is that there was like a different four originally planned so like the sequel to three wasn't going to be four it was a different thing that was going to go in the middle there and they never got to it I think it was something, maybe some of it went into Code Veronica or uh, I don't know. I don't know the history well enough, mm. but I think there was supposed to be a different sequel. And so I wonder if they yeah. might consider doing something like that. That might work. I think, I mean, like, obviously Code Veronica is another one that they could remake. But then they also I'm wondering, will they ever go back and do another remake of number one to fit this style? Mm. To make it actually, you know the full third person camera over the shoulder gun rather than the fixed camera way that they did the the previous remake. Yeah, it does feel like a shame that it that you can't have the full suite in the same style. Hmm. <laughs> well that might end up being a bit strange of like the first one, if you play them in order then later, the first one you play is this, you know, probably <laughs> the most advanced version and then <laughs> yeah, you're taking yeah. a step back for the rest of it. But... <laughs> See what happens. Um so 
Alan, you've been playing um, another game about a zombie-filled end of the world. Um, <laughs> we've really got a theme this week. It's uh, it's wonderful. Life imitates <laughs> art. Imitates life. <laughs> <Yeah>. For apocalypse. <laughs> so, uh, so how was how's your experience of uh, playing through the the apocalypse in World War Z been? It's been a lot of fun, actually. Surprisingly, so for I'm sure people, if they're not familiar with the book of World War Z or World War Z, depending on which your uh, version of that depending um, on whether you're saying it properly or not <laughs> you might be familiar Good with at least the... <laughs> <laughs> that's my name it's got two letters it's not <laughs> it's got one letter which would be z <laughs> okay although you just but... have to call me z then that's <laughs> 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 oh it but yeah people might be familiar with the film and they've, it's obviously the 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 style of this game has definitely taken a lot of inspiration from the way stuff is in the film with the weird like fl- almost flowing hordes of zombies where it's like almost a you know a tsunami of bodies coming towards you and they they do a good job of having just like an immense amount of zombies rushing towards you at one time but at its core this game is a third person left for dead hmm. through and through like unashamedly so like you've you do have like more class types that you can choose from it's not just like the four characters and they're quite set in the way they are they're like you have few it's like four different characters that you can play as in each scenario but then you can choose whichever class you want for those characters to be and i've only really been playing there's like a co-op campaign and then there is also a multiplayer that i haven't touched much yet and the co-op campaign is always five players whether or not some of those are AI and some are real. So you could feasibly play it all through on your own with just you and some bots, but I can so, imagine that being a lot more difficult. So um, so two questions, actually. Um, first of all, when did this come out? I think it was about a year and a half ago, right? Yeah, it was um, a while ago. It was, it's been something that's just been around that. It came out and everyone was surprised it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. so it's kind of just been an underlying like oh what was he it's actually fun check it out <laughs> and now we have time and we're trying to think of games to play hmm. online while we're all just sitting at mm-hmm. home monster hunter ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you make a good point dan um and my well, other question to be is fair, the... monster hunter probably isn't a tenor and what was he <laughs> was a tenor when we bought it so. <laughs> my other question is that um you say there's five people that you um five characters that you're playing through with at any point in time is that all five classes or are there more classes that won't be involved in any there are more classes there's like yeah so it's four characters uh like four players at one time and then there's like eight classes i think um or it's you know so the i guess the with the way that the gameplay works it's not as it's not essential that you have a widespread it's just helpful and it mixes up the way the gameplay is for each individual person. So, you know, it's you know, it's more helpful to have everyone be a different class than for everyone to be the gunner or everyone be a medic, you know. Mm-hmm. But so but it's yeah, I don't think it's necessarily integral to the gameplay for for all classes, but again just adds a different dynamic and gives everyone something slightly different to do during that game. Um but then it's also like the way that essentially the it works is that each class 
individually levels up as you play with it and they all have their own little skill tree of abilities that you'll unlock or new starting weapons that they can have and then also every single one of the weapons in the game also has like a mini skill tree where you're just unlocking more you know better versions of each of those guns as you go through and maybe choosing from a variety of different types of i guess modification presets or whatever the as you go on and the more you use a certain type of gun the more that individual gun will level up and then the new you know modification presets will unlock for you to purchase with your points so so is there is there a name for like the left for dead type genre right because you know like we've got like the vermintide games we've got sort of payday the heist like it, clearly everybody looked at left for dead and was like people love the shit out of this game we should yeah. maybe make it ourselves and a different flavor of it we can't just keep calling them left for dead likes I mean, I mean, are they not all Timesplitters likes? Was Timesplitters like that? Timesplitters wasn't four-player co-op, though, was it? Uh, no, but it was like... Two-player co-op, wasn't it? You could do two-player in certain levels. Yeah. I'm just thinking because of, like, the, the go-in and then everything goes wrong and then... It's the more specific thing of, like, you are... Yeah, it's like multiplayer co-op. We're going through an a level... And then having even like the specific enemy types that like you can look at World War Z and Left 4 Dead and Vermintide and they will all have pretty much the same like special type of enemy. They will have mm. the general wave of enemies, either rats or zombies, and then you'll have special rats or zombies and they'll fit a Vermintide certain archetype. Both, mm. both rats and zombies in Vermintide too. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's like it's funny even with this again. This unashamedly a left for dead thing, and the fact that like all of the special zombies are exactly the you know like the same types exactly as left for dead. <laughs> there's even there's even a mess up thing in there where there's like one of them the the name of it actually in the game is different to what they sometimes call it in the VO, and what they call it called it in the VO occasionally is what it's called in left for dead. <laughs> what what is that? I forgot. It's like. Whatever the one that's like the the one that leaps out of you that wears a hoodie, I can't remember what he's called now. I'm, I'm, I'm like a lurker or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it a leaper. I don't know. I think you might be I, right. Be a lurker. I think it was a lurker, and they'll shout lurker occasionally, but then it's actually called something else in the game. So it's, it's like at some point they change their mind. And, or they like a... they they've just clearly played Left 4 Dead. That's the the characters themselves played Left 4 Dead, and even though it's called something different. They're just calling. They're just calling back to that every now and then. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. <laughs> but no, it's but it's like as I said. So if you're you go through the levels and you'll have your kind of some set points where you'll maybe have to defend an area, or you know there'll be bits where you're working through, and then there'll be parts where you come to like here's a defense point, and you'll find like turrets and traps and stuff that you have a little period of time to be able to set up before you then press the button for the horde to come towards you. And it is a horde. Hmm. Like when you're just looking in the distance and then suddenly they're just like dropping down from a hole in the ceiling with like in a train yard as underground or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just this big cavernous space. And at the very end of it, there's scaffolding and a hole in the, in the ceiling or the floor, whichever way up you are. And it's just, they just stream in. You, You push a button to attract the horde 
You got to push a button Have to activate the thing. Have you considered not pushing the button? But then you can't activate the thing. You know, if you, want, you want to escape on the train. Oh, I see. I see. There is the a thematic going. reason yeah. built in. It's not just a attract the Ford button. Yeah, I mean, it essentially is. But you know. It's, yeah, but if you hit the button, all you have to do is run away from the button, and the whole horde is at the button, and you're somewhere else. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but I guess they're also at the train. That, that poor train driver calling everyone a cunt. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like for some reason this is there's a level that's in New York, and there's this random British guy that's in there that's running the trains. <laughs> He's today calling everyone a cunt. Who knows? <laughs> like, like literally. He's at least, he calls a couple of people cunts, definitely. Oh, that's fantastic. He's, he's got a foul mouth. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's so. absolutely delightful. I'd, I'd <laughs> use word in video gaming, frankly. Definitely. But you can only do it if someone I mean, English. Like, if it's let's... someone American, it's a horrible word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I disagree. I, my feeling is that like when the darkness decided to like bring that word to the fore like for the first time in video games, it had the right kind of impact that only made me appreciate the game more. No, you, the darkness yeah the darkness but you mean a video game because like you know the darkness the rock band <laughs> sang it as well and i was really confused that that was what you were referencing <laughs> i thought that's what you wanted about first as well <laughs> no i mean the video game about jackie estacato who gets possessed by some sort of demonic spirit and uh has to go uh who who is also a uh a gangster uh italian mobster um, who also who then spent some time in a, a World War One version of Hell, uh, kind of getting used to his new terrible powers, and uh, fuck, it's, it's real fucking good. The, the second one is nowhere near as good, but uh, yeah, it's like one of it was Starbreeze's first game after they did Chronicles of Riddick. After they did the second Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know that there's cunts everywhere. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so the, I mean, the way that said, so you have the each individual level that you go through and it's kind of, they have, there are different environments. Um, and then each one of those areas has like four levels. So you've got New York, um, Jerusalem, Tokyo and Moscow. Mm-hmm. And I think each one of those locations you play as a different set of characters or there's a different set of characters that you can choose from. So it sort of follows the film then. Oh, okay. I was going to say, is it like an anthology style thing? Like, because obviously, Left for Dead, there wasn't really a story thread that linked everything together, right? There is actually. It's just a very weak one. Oh, is that? Yeah, yeah. Like the the areas were actually linked in anywhere. It was just let's wander through here, wander through here. No, the campaigns lead into each other. Like the way that you arrive in uh, for each of the levels, apart from one of them, is how you left the last one. Mm. Is that it, though? Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, but, but yeah, in, like, I mean, in this is it does it's definitely more anthology. You know, like each place you go to is not connected to the last one. You are you're playing as there are specific characters for each location that you're only playing as them. Do, um, do different characters and their classes have different like special abilities? And well, the characters don't match up with the classes at all. Okay. The, char- so, the characters so... themselves are just skins and voices. Okay, so do classes then... have different abilities and things? Yes. And do those so, but... those are the same abilities cross environment as well? Yeah, 
so that again for each individual class you're just leveling up that class regardless of which character you're playing mm. as or which level you are are the abilities like good to use are they like very really varied do you feel like you're leaning to like one class over another because you like the ability set yeah definitely so i mean for example i mean you have like the the main guy is the gunner um and so his stuff will end up being it's like he has grenades that he can use he's the only one that has grenades um and then you he has the um apart from a lot of a lot of classes don't have like better guns that they can unlock fairly early on to have better starting weapons because every class has different a different weapon loadout mm -hmm. that they start the level with you can find guns around the environment stuff like that but those are the ones you're starting with always with each class um and so that they would have like a better gun set but then they also have their abilities would be like change the way that the grenades work or you know reload faster or get the benefits from headshots and stuff like that then you get the medic who they'll you know their abilities where they'll give like health bonuses to the people around them or their healing people will be faster or like i think joe just up unlocked one with the medic where when he heals people he also gets a bit of health back and you've also got like explosive experts and crowd control guys someone's got a taser gun and they've they, all the skill trees just play into that archetype a bit but it's mm. no one has necessarily like a super you know like a necessarily special abilities it there's no all like, comes down to like a zombie guy who like no <laughs> has like zombie tentacles <laughs> no unfortunately not yeah no. um so it's those five environments are you replaying them and so you replay them a lot is it about getting like a high score or like speed or is it about just progression um progression so mm. i mean to be honest like it's it's a hard game right and one thing we're realizing that the difficulty does ramp up exponentially the more people you add to it mm -hmm. so even just we're like playing on normal at the moment is that five difficulty levels and we're playing on the second one and we've just playing with three of us we were failing over and over and over and over again <laughs> on a bit that we'd beat with two of us before so it's it yeah because so, we think it does have some kind of director in it yeah like, that's what i was gonna ask it. like is it is it do you always end up with the same like attacks happening in the same places or does it adjust to what you're it playing? definitely it definitely adjusts like i i think it's even as fine-tuned as like if you hang around in an area too long, it will start sending extra waves at you and extra special zombies. But then also, if you go through it too quickly, it will do the same thing. <laughs> so like a, a fine, like somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Got to find that sweet spot. Yeah. The minimum yeah. zombie sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it does also, I mean, like, you know, in the big event parts, the waves will be fairly similar, but the, you know, like how the special zombies spawn and what one spawn will be different every time it won't be exactly the same and even like you know with the the areas that you have to defend the actual the gear that you can place with like the turrets and traps will again be random every time so some that you could be replaying the same thing over and over again and losing and every single time you'll get different amounts of defenses and different types of defenses so be better or worse for you i know i know that like for a significant significant proportion of gamers that like third person gaming is massively preferable to first person first person is just too confusing and like i can kind of get that yeah there you go <laughs> um so i mean like i i love the shit out of left for dead um i kind of find it hard to imagine in third person 
Um, but do you think that this is the way that those people can have that experience and a satisfying version of? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that. I mean, personally, I'm yeah, I'm not someone that has like a bad time with first person or third person. I think I prefer third person because I like seeing the character, and the animations, and stuff. But that's more just a design preference than actual how I feel about playing the game. But it's, I think, for me personally, it plays just as well as Left 4 Dead in terms of the actual combat side of it. And, you know, it's, it is nice to be able to sort of see a bit better around you. Like, you have a better chance of seeing a zombie jump up behind you when it's in third person than if it's... I mean, that sounds like it's taking away part of the fun for me. But yeah, I, I agree I with that. first person to third person, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. So, I mean, like, I yeah, if you're someone that doesn't particularly like first person stuff then yeah you'll be getting just as good an experience out of it personally and so that's to left for dead so talking of first and third person um i've been having a go at um, it, um not infinity wars that's what i was about to call them but uh <laughs> respawns first attempt at a third person game uh, which has been interesting so i mean like obviously i'm gonna say it just in case people i don't know but uh, respawn of the guys that made Titanfall. Oh, here like, he goes again. Titanfall. <laughs> <laughs> um, and their last game um, is uh, Jedi Fallen Order. I know, Atlan, that you and Joe were talking. Um, and, like, I think sort of talking about um, Resident Evil 3, those dodge timing, mm. um, like, it's interesting to... For me, as a person that's not played many of the Souls games, to be given that type of combat again, less polished, but definitely about managing to get those parry and dodge timings in. Mm. Um, but like with the Star Wars coat of paint, made by a studio that's like never done anything but a shooter before, mm. um, it's it's surprisingly competent um, and. As I've got more stuck into it, it's got more fun. Mm. Um, I mean, I assume that you've played a bit more than when you talked about it last, Alan. Oh, I've, I've finished it now. Okay. So, wait, played all that shit. Yeah. And what's your what's your overarching feeling? I mean, uh, overarching like it's one of it's the best Star Wars game we've got probably since Kotor. Um, I know that's there's not a lot to hold it up against, but Kotor two. I guess so. Kotor two was more Kotor, but I never—that's why I never played it. So love it's the best one I've played since Kotor. That's right. Kotor. I so so one of my friends who I may get to be on the podcast at some point got some interesting theories about video. I'm going to lay one of them down in front of you right now, Alan. So not the last Star Wars film, but the one before that I've forgotten the name of. You didn't like that one, did you? Last Jedi. The Last yeah. Jedi, right? I hate it. And and what is what is the reason that you hate it? There are many reasons I hate it, but it generally just comes down to it's you know not very well written. I thought I thought <laughs> a lot of interesting ideas. I think it's interesting ideas that none of which are executed very well. Oh, okay, that's not exactly that's not what I was expecting you to say. Okay, <laughs> so may, maybe the next thing that I was going to say doesn't hold that. So Kotor two, <laughs> like is all about fucking with the rules of like of Jedi and therefore I loved it. Right. Doesn't have an I ending. Mean, to be honest. Suck, I'm, but you yeah. know, what can you do? I'm I'm fine with people fucking with the rules as long as they do it well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's okay. Generally how I feel. Well so, but... 
maybe you will be a a strange case that does not fall into into Morgan's. She has this conviction that everybody that dislikes the Last Jedi also dislikes uh, Kotor too. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's so few people that played Kotor too. <laughs> that it's really hard to test the theory. <laughs> I could run it around the office at work. I think some of them have played it. We, they were talking about Kotor. I've never played them, but like, I'll see if oh, I'll run it past people at work. Oh, they're, I mean, they're, they're excellent. I mean, games, like, this but... is the sort of thing we could get a survey monkey up about, right? Or, yeah. you know, <laughs> drive people to our Discord or something to tell us. <laughs> All right. You, you make the survey monkey, put a link in the Discord. I mean, I That's work fine. with research. Oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't me offering. Was, like, that, wasn't, that wasn't me offering. That was just suggesting. Oh. Oh, <laughs> I'm actually working at the moment. You you know, like, I, I do actually sure work. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking boring. It's like there's, there's no one to talk to. Everyone's gone. It's really quiet. It's very sad. Oh, well, just, just come and join us in the server every evening. I'll probably be there. I should just join you in the server during the day. I can talk to yeah, them. Yeah, that works too. That works too. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to not quite what we were talking about. So, like, I mean, for people who don't know, the KOTOR games were uh, RPGs in the Star Wars universe. Like, as somebody who wasn't ever a massive fan of Star Wars, I was a massive fan of these games because, like, being able to be in that world, like, actually, like, having a character build and grow, like, through the the sort of hero's arc that is a, a definitive part of everything that Star Wars is, like it it does a lot. It does a lot. And the first one was a Bioware game, and the second one was CD, and they were both very very well written, and that didn't hurt at all. But like the thing that's sort of brought me more and more into Jedi Fallen Order as I've gone on uh, gone on with it is that that's that's happening again. I don't think the writings of the same quality. But the characters are good, right? And they're not mm. they're not like overbearing either. Like gameplay is definitely the focus of what's going on. Like it wants you to be sort of exploring the hubs and um getting getting a feel for the spaces that you're in and your powers, which you're very slowly ramping up throughout the game. Um but the the sort of bits of charm of the characters you clearly have more going on than just being a sort of Star Wars archetype, which I think is often where the films fail. So yeah, it's it's been really fun. It's it's a bit it's a bit clunky because it's like the first attempt at doing their first attempt at doing like a third person melee combat, but it's only a little bit clunky. Mm. Like yeah. and I, I feel like if they had a bit more time it could have yeah. like I don't think the clunkiness is even necessarily down to their inexperience with the genre. Mm-hmm. I think it is just down to the amount of time they had, which evidently wasn't enough. And, you know, I think me and me and you were talking to you about it before, but it's, it feels like they just had to cram it out in time for the film. Yeah. You hit that holiday window when... Uh, I, I think you said that on the last episode. <laughs> All right, um, cool. <laughs> but, yeah, um, and I think the possibly even going to end up being a boon to it in the long run because it meant that for me that I've had to take on the Soulsborne mentality of of get good and like just work out how to get around the the things that are tricky in the game and I think that 
they will almost certainly get the opportunity to make a sequel. And if they're building it off of the back of this, things will be tuned that much more. And I think that if you've had an experience of slightly, slightly shonky first attempt at, you know, something like a Demon Souls, then uh, when you come back round for like the second hit, you knock it out the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will be looking forward to that. But yeah, like I think it's... we could be you a few of those. That's quite exciting. <laughs> It's it's been it's been really fun um, and yeah a, li- a little bit of a surprise to be honest. Um, also, Forest Workers in it and that always makes me happy. Hmm. <laughs> I'd really like to That's get to a... it sometime. Like like the combat was a thing when they first when they showed it off. I was like, oh, this looks like Sekiro. Um, yeah. I mean, it does. It definitely does feel like just a more accessible version of that. Yeah, so they've obviously taken a lot of inspiration from it. Like, I mean, yeah, Sekiro and that were pretty close in terms of yeah. release. That's so the crazy thing. Maybe they were. It? Yeah. So they're both taking maybe inspirations from similar stuff yeah. or just similar mindset for the evolution of the the souls born and yeah. how that would work with sword to combat apply it to but... sword on sword combat yeah yeah so um so alan i'm i've wanted to play Sekiro, but i i've been concerned for getting things like the parry type right and i know that you've like found found that tricky in the souls born to general um what what difficulty did you play from the order on? Just normal. Okay. Whatever on the normal difficulty was that's generally where I sit in any time I play a video game, at least first time around. And, and how did you find it? I mean, I still found it challenging at times. Like there, are, I think it mainly comes down to like certain enemy types, but I think it it fits that Soulsborne idea where like it's challenge is a lot more challenging if you're not paying as much attention like you you always have to be paying attention to what's going on because even like easy enemies can still hurt you mm-hmm. so it's you're still having to deal with that but you know obviously the the more like specialized enemies are the ones you're paying attention to more and they'll be dotted around the map but it's yeah i mean it again it's just an easier more accessible version of that that swords but one more like cannon fodder enemies i guess with just your regular stormtroopers but it's delightful how yeah they just go down with one shot (laughs) (laughs) but then you even have like you've got the regular stormtroopers that are that cannon fodder but then there are plenty of the scout troopers that are more formidable and will have ways of fighting you and defending you and and they've got excellent things like just if there's a commander there to organize the regular stormtroopers they can be a hell of a lot harder to deal with yeah so but like that kind of stuff it's just you know like even the second tier of enemy is still enough to be able to take you down if you're not taking it seriously yeah i mean like i i I have found myself getting getting quite stuck in a couple of places with combat encounters that just initially looking at them didn't seem like they were going to be that hard and then it's just the condition that i'm in when i get to them or like the fact that there's like just more enemies in the wrong shape space, like trying to work out how to navigate that to be able to attack them when they're not attacking me has been quite tricky. Mm. And I appreciate the fact that it's forcing me to think when I'm fighting. That's yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And again, that even no matter where you go through in the game and the, the points you get to it, then it never feels like there's a time where that's not the case. You know, mm. you're always having to again just like pay attention and think about it there isn't there isn't much like mindless lightsaber slashing going on which is normally what happens in a star wars game with combat mm-hmm. like you're just you are a god with a lightsaber and you're just mowing down enemies until like a rancor or a atst 
comes around or something like that. But, but you, like... but you say that, Alan. But there's something much better that happens here, which is that like when you've got a good level of skill, sometimes you are a fucking god with a lightsaber, yeah, <laughs> and you feel like it's so much more. Like when because you walk you into a room, kill everybody in four seconds because you've managed to get all of your times and attacks exactly right. You're like, oh shit, I'm a fucking Jedi. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, but that's the thing. Because you, you did it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just that. Oh, I, if I just hold this button, I defend everything, and then just as soon as I get a hit on something, it's dead. You know, which is I think the last time I remember with the Star Wars game was the Force Unleashed, and you're just completely op in those games but that and was like the raven detra was unleashed right it's called unleashed because it wants you to be overpowered but mm. it never i don't know it never like had the the solidity like that tangibility of just tearing through everything i really wanted i wanted there to be like meat and metal to it and it <laughs> just felt like floaty i suppose yeah um, and to, and to be honest, to, yeah, but to be honest, that's actually still like the thing that stops me from saying that this is like one of the absolute top Star Wars games. Like, I still, it still has a little bit of, of flimsiness to it. And I think that last level of polish that I was, that, I, that hopefully a sequel will benefit from. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there aren't any more Star Wars films by the sounds of it, at least not for the foreseeable future. So they, well, they fucked should up just the be last one, didn't they? I haven't seen the last one. Just don't. I only just watched Endgame, so you know I'll probably see it in about a year. So <laughs> uh, I think it's actually coming out really soon to Disney Plus. They've uh, bumped yes. up the release, yeah, yeah. so you can see it soon but enough. I was very disappointed, and my my bar for Star Wars films low. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised because I was expecting it to be absolute trash, and I enjoyed I got enjoyed the out of it. I mean, I'm definitely expecting it to be trash now, like considering how <laughs> completely tepid everybody was. Like, like just nobody had any enthusiasm about it after it came out, and so like my enthusiasm <laughs> to go see it at the cinema went completely down the drain. So, yeah, yeah, but it's all right. We don't have to worry about those films anymore. But anyway, if uh, if you do or don't think our podcast is tepid, uh, please do tell us. Uh, you can do so by coming to our Discord server or uh, sending an email to tastemygameface at gmail.com um, or maybe finding us on YouTube or Twitter or leaving us a review on... what What's the, what's the podcast, iTunes podcast app called now? Anyone know? Crikey, is it called like Apple Podcasts or something yeah, that ridiculous about like right. that? Or Stitcher or something. I, I can't keep up with this shit. I've been What's getting my Stitcher? podcast. Stitcher? <laughs> no, I'm, no I'm, I'm going through all of the they're old. They're not the same name. I know they're not the same. Oh. Apple Pits. Wait. Um, but yeah, I've been getting my podcast from like the same app for like the last 10 years that like I would not recommend to anybody, but I, I don't know how to use any others now. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, good, good plug. What 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 are the other things that you do when you sign off? It's been a while since I've done this, guys. Do Help contact, me out. don't we? We tell them about the contact. URL. Yeah, yeah. slash contact. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that it. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got, yeah. yeah. I thought that I thought we just meant like uh, I, thought, I thought this was a don't don't make social or physical contact with anybody because no, no, no. I mean that's COVID nineteen. 
See, now, if we can go back two minutes, it, yeah, exactly, but don't contact each other or something yeah. stupid like that. <laughs> contact us, but yeah, no, but I don't want to get it Not either. Physically. Contact us, but over only over email. Oh, yeah. The link's provided. <laughs> don't, don't touch us. <laughs> if you're feeling lonely in your quarantine, head over to the Discord and have a chat with people that might be there. And to be frank, I, I am like around most of the time and I would ha- love to have more people to chat to. It's fucking lonely, mate. And I'm sure you're feeling the same unless you've got friends. God. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. my game fix.